0: Welcome! You're listening to Value Add with Lars Coburn, bringing conversations and reflections that add value to your life. I want to spend a little bit of time talking about the call of God on our lives. Christmas is a great season, a great time to think about uh, the coming of Christ and also waiting and expecting the coming of Christ in the future. And the new year is a time for us kind of every year. So it seems like these two things converge uh, to help us really think about what, what are the ways that we're preparing our lives to respond to the call of God uh, when God might come near God might call us to do something. Throughout the Bible, there are a lot of different calls. If you've looked at the story of Noah and the ark, God calls Noah to make an ark to save him and his family and to be a witness to the world about what God uh, wants, how, how God wants people to, to live. And then Abram comes and uh, comes along and God looks at Abram and calls Abram to leave his his uh, family, leave his hometown, go to a land that he's not been to, and that he's going to bless him. He even changes his name to Abraham, that he would be a blessing to all the people. And so uh, then comes along Abram's descendants go into Egypt, and in Egypt they're enslaved in slavery for 400 years, and Moses is then called uh, to lead the people out to deliver the people from slavery in Egypt into the promised land, the land, very land that Abram had been called to generations before. But there's actually um, a really interesting book in the Bible uh, that is the calling book. Actually, its Hebrew name is, a, ha, is related to this idea of calling, um, the calling of God on our lives. And it's probably a book that you wouldn't expect to be that one. So if you have a Bible, open up to the book of Leviticus. And just like Moses, uh, when he was called by the voice of the Lord out of the burning bush uh, to take off his sandals because the place where he was standing was holy ground, and then he was given this commission to go and and help set the people free, um, we're also entering kind of this idea of the holy ground, the presence of God with us. And so let's look at this uh, book of the Bible, the book of Leviticus. We're going to spend our whole day just kind of, looking here at the entire book. So quickly, um, I'm going to give you kind of some updated stuff. The book of Leviticus is, uh, the word Leviticus is relating to the Levites, and you'll see as you read through it, there's a lot of things about the Levitical priesthood um, and the Levites who were then this tribe set apart by God to be ones who cared for and helped the people worship God. So that's the the Septuagint name, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, but, and that's the one that we find in our English translations. But the Hebrew word or the Hebrew title for this book in the Torah, in the um, original language, was vikra or something like that. I'm not a Hebrew scholar, so I can't pronounce it very well, um, which is actually the first word in the book, and it's translated, and he, that meaning the Lord, called. So uh, let's read. The Lord called to Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting. He said, speak to the Israelites and say to them, when any one of you brings an offering to the Lord, bring as your offering an animal from either the herd or of the flock. And um, the rest of the first seven chapters of Leviticus is all about these offerings, what kind of offering to bring, when to bring it. And if we, if you remember in our study of the Christmas story, we talked about Mary and Joseph coming and giving an offering, and they gave uh, an offering, one of the versions of dedicating for their firstborn child. If they're a poor family, they could give two young pigeons. And so that's what they they did. Um, And so they followed these first seven chapters of Leviticus and the the laws about offerings. And that word um, in verse uh, 2 that we translate as offering is the the Hebrew word korban, which means uh, to bring. And so as you think about these things, uh, offerings were all things that they were bringing to God that were, were our gifts that are brought uh, before God. And so as we looked at last week with the Magi and the gifts and the question about what kind of gift will you bring to the king? Um, I think it's really fitting that we're looking at this book that spends so much time on what is a offering, what is a gift that we bring to God in uh, Mark chapter 7, there's a story with um, with Jesus and uh, he talks a little bit about the the offerings and the, the gospel writer um, says this about it. For Moses said, honor your father and mother and anyone who curses mother and father must be put to death. Well, that's kind of a haunting verse here. But I say to you, if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father and mother is Corbin, that is devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of the Lord by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things like that. So Jesus is encountering some religious people who are they're following a religious law and saying, I'm going to give money. I'm going to bring this money that I would have used to care for my aging parents, and I'm going to give it to the Lord instead as Corban or as an offering devoted to God. And Jesus says, well... By following this letter of the law, you actually do disservice to the people who really are important in what God wants you to do for caring for your family and honoring your father and mother. And so Jesus gets after us about sometimes when we uh, follow the letter of the law, but miss the spirit of the law. I find it really interesting that this idea of the Corbin being translated by the, the gospel writer here in verse 11 as devoted something devoted to God. And I think that's what Leviticus is all about. It's about preparing our lives to be devoted to God. So it's not so much about following the letter of law about how to cut the goat's head off or how to drain the blood out or what parts of the animal to burn on the offering and what to dispose of. There's a lot of graphic imagery in Leviticus. But I think it's about preparing our lives to be devoted to God. So in chapter 4, there's some discussion about sinning. Um, It says, the Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, when anyone sins unintentionally and does what is forbidden in any of the Lord's commandments, and then he talks a little bit about what the priest is going to do, and then what the whole community is going to do in verse 13, and then what the leader needs to do in verse 22, and then what the individual needs to do in verse 27. We've all made mistakes, it seems like. Uh, Here, verse 22, when a leader sins unintentionally, the member of the community sins unintentionally and does what is forbidden and they realize their guilt um, the sin they've committed this is verse 28 becomes known they must bring as an offering for their sin um, a female goat without defect we've all made mistakes and that's part of the discussion here in Leviticus is that as we become aware of the things that we've done unintentionally or intentionally um, it's what we do when we are made aware of that, that shows our heart. It's what we do in response to the guilt and the awareness of our sin that really shows whether we've been devoted uh, to God or whether we're still devoted to ourselves and we try and hide or continue uh, living in this way. So um, I think this, this idea of uh, being devoted to God is picked up in First Peter, which is also a passage we looked at um, in our Advent series. And uh, these verses will probably sound familiar, uh, verse uh, chapter one of First Peter verse 13. "Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, "Be holy because I am holy." Um, And then Peter continues commenting on this very familiar passage. So he brings up the, he who called you is holy. And that would have said, oh yeah, there's a calling book, the book of Leviticus. And then he he even quotes from Leviticus with that quotation there, be holy because I am holy. And then verse 17 here of of, uh, chapter one, since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it is not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty ways handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Once we were ignorant, once we didn't know about our sin, we had sinned unintentionally or we continued to do things that were handed down to us, as we know alcoholism is like one of those things that's hereditary, in fact, in uh, the genes of families. And so we can learn a lot about paying attention and looking back through our family history about the sins that we might be um, kind of have a tendency towards. And so as we think about those things, as we become aware of them, God's call on our life now is to be one that is holy So holiness, and the word um, holiness appears a lot of times throughout the book of Leviticus. um, And more so than any other book, in fact. And it's really an integral identity of God and of how God is with God's people. Um, The name that they used for the Lord, and you probably in your English translations will have... um, a capitalized uh, L-O-R-D. So for instance, at the beginning of most of the chapters in Leviticus, like in chapter um, 11 here, we're going to look at a story or a part of chapter 11 here in just a moment. But 11, uh, chapter 11, verse one, says the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, and that Lord is capital O-L-O-R-D. It's not just the L is capitalized. And that is the, the Hebrew word Yahweh, which means simply I am. So God's name is not some sophisticated thing. It's simply God is. God is a verb. Uh, I am. And um, so with Moses, he he uses that name in the the burning bush to describe who he is and who's sending him, who's calling him to go to these people.
1: It's really, really
0: important uh, that we see and recognize the identity of God as he is Uh, who he is and his holiness is part of that. So let's look at chapter uh, 11 here, verse 44 and 45. It says, I am the Lord, your God, consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am holy. Do not make yourselves unclean by any creature that moves along the ground. I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God. Therefore be holy because I am holy. Well, there's that quote from first Peter. Um, So what does it look like then uh, for us to set ourselves apart to be holy? And that's really uh, probably the best way to paraphrase the the word holiness is that if you think about uh, God as something other than us we are not divine, we're not omniscient, we're not all knowing, we're not all powerful, we're not all of these incredible things that God is we are like God in the sense that We reflect some of those characteristics, God's love, God's compassion, God's creativity. All of these things are reflected imperfectly in human beings. And so the holiness aspect is the idea that God is other, God is different than we are. And so to be holy like God is holy means that we need to be different, be a contrast society to the world around us, uh, to separate ourselves, to remove ourselves from the world. And we often... Comment on the weirdness or the oddness of communities that do this. Communities like the Amish or different kinds of Mennonite communities, where that they, they dress different, they use technology differently, uh, they live off the grid. There's all sorts of things that they do differently. And if you are a Christian, uh, you think about politics differently. You think about your money differently. You think about how you live your body differently, what success is differently. You think about the end of your life and aging differently. All of these things make you holy or separate or other than the world around you. And obviously, most of the things we think of as holiness codes or things that keep you holy often have to do with abstaining from certain kinds of food, primarily things like alcohol and drugs. Um, We think about removing and abstaining from different kinds of sexual activities, um, remaining pure in our marriage. Those kind of things are ones that we think about as holy. But there's a wide swath of ways that we can be like God in his holiness um, that don't just have to do with don't dance, don't drink, don't chew, don't go with the girls that do, those kind of things. Um, uh, Chapter 17 um, talks a little bit about blood It's a little bit bloody. Um, so chapter 17, verse 13. Any Israelite or foreign foreigner residing among you who hunts any animal or bird that may be eaten must drain out the blood and cover it with earth. Okay, so there's a lot of stuff about blood and sacrifices and blood, guts, and gore, if you will. Leviticus is an R-rated book. Um, but the life of an animal, the life source of humans even, um, is in the blood. Think about it, the oxygen that... that You need is pumped through your body through the blood that goes through your heart and all that kind of stuff. And so your when you bleed out, you your life source goes away. Um, And so that's what they're talking about here throughout these sacrifices. We need to read all the chapters of Leviticus, but especially chapters one through seven through a lens of Jesus on the cross where he dies and his blood covers a multitude of sins. Um, and as we then read through Leviticus, also with a new lens, this new covenant in his blood, as uh, we celebrate every Sunday with the, the communion time, the Apostle Paul says that when we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death, proclaiming this new covenant until he comes. And that's part of what our life is meant to be. Our life source, the life source of the blood, the um, so we're not to eat the blood of the lambs and everything like that, but we are to uh, let the, the blood of Christ cover over our life. Let Jesus' life source um, be the thing that sets us apart and makes us holy. Um, in uh, Leviticus chapter 18, there's some really interesting um, holiness codes here. Uh, let's just read verses 1 through 5 here. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, I am the Lord your God. You must not do as you did in Egypt, where you used to live, and you must not do as they do in the land of Canaan, where I am bringing you. Do not follow their practices. You must obey my laws and be careful to follow my decrees. I am the Lord your God. Keep my decrees and laws, for the person who obeys them will live by them. I am the Lord. And then he goes on and gives a bunch of different um, sexual ethics, basically, um, about who you can have sexual relations with, this really kind of weird, weird stuff. But I think about framing um, chapter 18 like this, with this great illustration of, uh, of a box. Um, so if I draw a box, and I put a bunch of little dots in that box, and I say, okay, it's okay for me to do this, do X. Um, but then on the outside of the box, there are a bunch of X's too. These are not okay. So what's in the box is okay, and what's outside the box is not okay. The problem with that is that we're always arguing where the the lines are, where the box is. Does the box, does this fit inside the box or is this outside the box? And we are always trying to get as close to the line as possible. So for instance, my parents couldn't do the hokey pokey in school. That was outside the box because it represented dancing. So then the question was always, well, what can I do that's as close to dancing as possible that's still inside the box. And then people always started expanding the box. Well, now I'm older and I've grown out of these customs, and now this is all inside the box. And so then it becomes a question of, well, what, how big does your box get? The reality is we shouldn't put God in a box. And I think too often if we read Leviticus as God is inside the box, and so these are the only things we can do, we really limit who God is in our life and what it means to devote our life to God and the call of God on our life. So the better analogy is one that my dad used when I was very young, which is an arrow. And to try and say, I'm going to put this X and then I'm going to draw an arrow. I'm just going to draw a straight line. And the question is, which way is this pointing? God's over here. Is this thing, this X, taking me towards God or away from God? What's the trajectory that this Thing in my life sets me on. So probably the hokey pokey is a mute point because it's probably not sending me off um, away from God. But there might be forms of dancing. There might be environments where dancing happens that the trajectory is not as helpful. And I begin to process each situation not as much as does it fit inside the box or outside the box. Is it okay for everyone or is it just okay for me? I talk about what this does in helping me devote my life to God. So that might look differently for you than for me. Um, In Leviticus 19, um, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, Be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. I think throughout this, this, this phrase being repeated so often throughout the book of Leviticus, God is trying to instill in them that he's much bigger than the box. He's much bigger than they can imagine. So don't get caught up with that. Um, Chapter 20, uh, verse 7 uh, says, Consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am the Lord your God. Keep my decrees and follow them. I am the Lord who makes you holy. You see, it's not my reasoning, it's not my ability to grasp whether this thing is inside the box or even whether this thing is helping bring me towards God that makes me holy. In fact, it's not the things that I do, it's not even the holiness code that I follow. It's actually God who does the work of making me holy. And so what I need to do is simply bring my life to God. And this is what um, the Apostle Paul gets at in Romans chapter 12 when he picks up on this very same theme, he says, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercies to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. You see, if we live with the view of God, uh, with this view that Jesus has given us of Him on the cross, the mercy of God, what Paul describes there, if that's first and foremost on our minds, and that's what we're evaluating every decision through, then we can choose to give Him everything. We can choose to bring uh, and devote our everything to jesus because we don't have to earn god's mercy we don't have to do enough to be holy god is the one who's already given that to us it's not just our time or our money that we bring as corbin devoted to the lord but it's even our bodies our physical bodies our sexuality which is something that leviticus talks a lot about and when we bring those things to god Imperfect as they are, broken as they are, God is the one who makes them holy. So as we've looked at this great uh, book, this calling book, I hope that in the new year in 2021, as we hopefully, uh, I pray that we can reemerge back to a sense of normalcy, whatever that looks like, um, whatever post-COVID uh, might look like. We'll probably be living uh, with some restrictions, maybe even with mask wearing Uh, indefinitely, I'm not sure. But whatever that looks like for us to emerge from 2020 into the new year, I hope that you bring 2021 and you bring your whole life to God and devote it to him. He's calling you to do something, uh, to leave the old ways of doing things, um, to uh, witness to the world about what God has done in Jesus. And so I hope that you can bring, as Corbin, um, your life, your bodies, and, and your new year. Uh, So, uh, thank you for, for listening today and, uh, hope you have a happy new year. Thanks for tuning in to Value Add. For more great conversations and insights, visit valueaddconversations.com.